Many of us have probably heard of, uh, of Mark Twain, who, amongst other things, wrote the, the books, uh, you know, Huckleberry Finn and, uh, and uh, Tom Sawyer. But he also very often made a number of uh, perhaps humorous but very profound uh, sayings and meaningful sayings. And you've probably heard some of them. He, one of the things he said was, I've never let my schooling interfere with my education. Or it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it, it's the size of the fight in the dog. Or kindness is the language which the deaf hear and the blind can see. Well, in the late 1800s, um, Twain visited Australia and one of the places that he visited was Maryborough in central Victoria. And uh, if any of you have been to Maryborough, you'll be aware that the station there is quite a magnificent place. You'll see it on the, uh, on the screen. And it's uh, the time when it was built in uh, about 1890, and uh, it's got 25 ta rooms and the clock tower. It was quite a big station for a very small community, which led uh, Mark Twain to make the comment that Maryborough was a railway station with a town attached. <laughs> Another one of his, his sayings, which is uh, perhaps more relevant to what I'm going to say this morning, is, th is this, that the only person who welcomes change is a wet, uh, is a wet baby. <laughs> and that's probably true. Those of us who have been parents know that they let us know that. But most of us do find change difficult, don't we? We're more com comfortable with the familiar and with the routine. Some of us say we can't handle change, and yet change is a constant in each of our lives. Change comes in our health as we get older. Change comes in our homes as our parents move in with us or as our children move out. Change comes if we move jobs or if we stay in the same job but the boss changes. Tastes change, fashions change, society changes. And of course, as we know, as a church, we're currently experiencing change as well. Change comes in many forms and in many fashions. In the passages that we're about to read in Deuteronomy and Joshua, Israel was confronted with change. There was a change of leadership. There was also shortly to be a change in their lifestyle. It was a time of sadness and yet it was one of hope and expectancy and anticipation. And so we read from Deuteronomy chapter 34 commencing at verse 8. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Joab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. There's never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Lord sent him to perform the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and against his servants and his entire land, 
With mighty power, Moses performed terrifying acts in the sight of Israel. And then we read, go on into the next book, into Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanese mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord is with you wherever you go. It was the end of an era. The great leader, Moses, one of the greatest leaders of God's people, was gone. It was a bit like in our generation. Recently, Billy Graham, a man who made an amazing impact on Christendom in recent generations, died. A couple of years ago, John Stott, a prolific evangelical author and uh, speaker, died. These were men who in our time had made a tremendous impact, a significant contribution to the work of God during their lifetime. And so it was with Moses. His death marked the end of an era for the people of Israel. After all, he'd been the one who under God had led them from bondage in slavery. Out of, he'd led them out of Egypt. He's the one who had pleaded for God to God for them when they had disobeyed him. He was the one that they knew talked face to face with God. He was the one who had been with them throughout the past 40 years. We've just read that there was no one else like Moses, that he was unique. And now Moses had died, dead because of his disobedience. And so naturally these people were upset at his death. But it wasn't as if Israel simply moved on without any sense of the past. We read that, read that the, the people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. The nation experienced grief at Moses' death. 
We read in Acts 20 that Paul's farewell speech for the elders of the Ephesian church, and he, Paul had recounted various aspects of his ministry. And then Luke tells us, when he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them. They all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he had said that they would never see him again. Israel experienced uh, grief. The, the Ephesian elders experienced grief when they realised that Paul's ministry had concluded. And recently, of course, after 12 years of ministry, Tim concluded his ministry here at Kilsite South and moved to another ministry. And so his, his leaving has marked the end of an era in the life of this church. And as a result, we too are experiencing change and we are going through a loss experience. And consequently, it's right for us to feel upset for the fact that he has left. For some of us, Tim was the only pastor that we've known. For some of us, uh, God used him as the instrument to bring us to faith or to baptise us or to marry us. For some of us, we went through deep waters and Tim was there to support us throughout this time. And so there was an emotional attachment that we had to him. And now we feel his leaving very deeply. And it's appropriate for us to have these emotions as a result of these changes. But friends, it's not appropriate for us to continue to stay feeling sorry for ourselves. And that's what we find here in Deuteronomy and Joshua. There is an appropriate recognition of the past of Moses' leadership. And then the scene shifts to the future, to the new leader and to the continuation of their mission. And friends, we must do the same. We acknowledge the past. We acknowledge the contribution that John Wright and Graham Nielsen and Tim Dyer have made to make what Kilsyth South is today. This is the foundation on which the future ministry of this church is built. But God's plans are never dependent on just a single person, even though he uses single people, individuals, in the process. Joshua suggests to us, God's servants may come and go, but God's work moves on. We read, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua and son, uh, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead, therefore. Moses, my servant, is dead, now then. It wasn't a case of Moses is gone, too bad, feel sorry for yourself, sit here by Jordan, paddle your feet in the river, do a bit of fishing. It was, you've acknowledged all that Moses has done for you, all that Moses has meant for you. You've grieved his death, now then get ready to move forward to the next phase of your life as the people of God. While some things changed, God's purpose for his people hadn't. The land promised to their ancestor Abraham had to be possessed. And so it is with Kilsyth South. Tim has moved to another ministry. 
but we must continue to discharge the mission that God has given to us, to share Jesus, to care for people, to encourage Christian growth. Friends, the, the death of Moses was the end of an era for Israel, but it also marked the next phase of their history. We read that the Lord said to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. The time has come for you to lead the people, the Israelites, over the Jordan into the land that I'm going to give them. And it was the land from the Mediterranean to the uh, Euphrates River and to the north and to the south. What did it mean for Israel to, to, to cross Jordan? It meant leaving the type of existence that they'd been uh, experiencing for the past 40 years to move into a whole new situation. In the wilderness, they'd been a nomadic people. In miraculous ways, God had provided for them. But now they were to enter a, an agricultural and a settled world. They were to conquer the land. They were to build houses. They were to settle down. They'd no longer be the miraculous provision of their daily food. This meant that they would need to come to understand how God worked in a whole new way. Crossing Jordan meant going in to possess the land promised many years before to their ancestor Abraham. For hundreds of years, the people had been waiting for this to occur. But their future was built on their past. There was to be continuity not discontinuity. The Lord made it clear to the new leader, Joshua, that he was to continue what Moses had begun. He was to build on the foundation that Moses had laid. He wasn't to start up some whole new program. Rather, he was to continue on from what Moses had done. This continuity was fundamental. God's word to Joshua and the people was Moses is dead. Now then, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. The leaders may change, the task is the same. Henry Ford is said to have made the statement that history is bunk. But history isn't bunk. Because history is the foundation on which the present and the future is built. And that is true for an individual, it's true for a nation, it's true for a church. That is true for the church universal as well as being for Kilsyth South. We neglect our history to our detriment. We are today what we are because of the foundation that has been laid in the past. An understanding of church history is vital. We must never throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just as Israel was about to enter this next phase of her history, so is this church. In his final message, Tim reminded us that God has set before us an open door. An open door for evangelism. An open door for sharing the love of Christ. An open door of sharing Christ and of being Christ to our community. And like Israel, we're called to move forward through these doors, 
that are open for, that open for us, that we are to discharge our God-given mission. Tim's leaving provides us with golden opportunities for personal growth. We can't simply leave it to the pastor. Each of us should commit to going through those doors that may present themselves to each one of us. And as we do so, we can prove God's faithfulness to us in new ways, both personally and as a church. The Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthians and he told them that he'd hoped to visit them at some point. But he said he was currently in Ephesus where he reported that God had opened wide a door of opportunity and effective ministry for him. But then he added, and there are many who oppose me. Israel would experience opposition as they went through the open door and crossed Jordan into the new land. And as we go through these open doors that God provides for us, that God opens to us, we too must expect spiritual opposition. For Joshua and for the people facing the future was a daunting prospect. Stepping into the role that Moses had vacated filled Joshua with fear. For the people, the unknown future weighed heavily upon them. For each one of us entering the open doors may scare us. And so it's in this strategic moment that God shows up and he gives Joshua a pep talk. It's a bit like a coach sitting down, uh, sitting with his team and stirring them up before the match. And so let's look at the encouragement that God gave to Joshua and to the people. Again, let me remind you what he said. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your feet, you will be on land I have given you. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors that I'd give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God sits Joshua down and assures him that everything he promised Moses is still in effect. While it's always difficult to cope with changes, God is always there to continue to the, the progress of what he has begun. And so the Lord gave both Joshua and the people as encouragement as they prepared for the next, next phase of their journey, as they moved forward into uh, into Canaan. 
So let's accept this as God's encouragement to us as we move forward as well. We don't know what Joshua... Well, we know that Joshua didn't relish the idea of, of taking over for Moses. Even though he'd served as Moses' deputy, even though he, he knew that this responsibility would eventually come, he was almost overwhelmed by the reality of what lay ahead. We're not actually told Joshua's feelings, but from what we read, we get a fair idea. Because four times in these opening verses of Joshua 1, he is told, don't be scared, be strong and have courage. Strength and courage. God knew Joshua needed this message. And friends, so do we as we face the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead of us. Spiritual strength and courage to do God's work and to go through the doors that he may open for us. Well, where did this spiritual strength and encouragement come from? We find first that strength and courage come from recognising and reacting to God's will. God tells Israel, go in and possess the land with the assurance, I will give you the land. Obedience to God's will assures us of God's enabling. I guess as some of us look back on our own lives, we've proved this. It's been our experience. We've felt unworthy or inexperienced and humanly speaking, daunted by a task that may have been given to us, the leadership of a group. Assisting in youth group or church for kids, involvement in Kids Hope or in some other ministry. I'm sure we've found that in that situation the Lord has enabled us, that God's call ensures us of his enabling. But spiritual strength and courage also come from regular renewal through God's word. Joshua is told, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. Probably the only part of God's word that Joshua had was the law God handed down through Moses. But God told Joshua that he had to be grounded in that word. It was necessary for him to have the strength and courage that he needed to face the mission that God had given to him. And friends, we need to devotionally master the word of God for ourselves. It's there that we find strength and courage for the spiritual battles that we face. Psalm 119, 9 and 11. How can a person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's through God's word that we find God's direction. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Let us find, each of us find daily renewal through reading and reflecting and meditating on God's word. But it's not only reading God's word because we're told that strength and courage come from faithful obedience to God's word. 
Joshua is told, be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Obedience to God's word provides Joshua with a tether that keeps his work in continuity to that of Moses. Obeying God's word and submission to God's will keep us close to God's heart. But strength and courage also come from the promise and assurance of God's presence. Joshua is assured, I will be with you. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. There is nothing that would occur in the life of Joshua or the people that God would not be involved in. And friends, we need these regular reminders, don't we, that God is with us in any mystery, with ministry in which we're called. We can so easily try to go it alone. Now, it's easy to think that our abilities and our experience are enough to get us through. We often sing the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, because we know that God is faithful to his promise. And his promise to Joshua still stands. I will be with you. God is with us. And finally, strength and courage will come from the assurance of God's protection. Look what Joshua is told. I will not abandon you. No one will be able to stand against you. Ultimately, the success of Joshua's leadership, the welfare of God's people, were dependent on God's abiding and guiding presence and protection. Well, some of us might say, well, that's all very well for Joshua. He was a significant character. He had a big task. He had to lead this enormous Israelite contingent into conquering the land. He needed that sort of help. But I'm just a very ordinary, plain sort of a Christian. What about me? Well, in Hebrews, we find the writer there uh, was writing to very ordinary, plain sort of Christians. And he used these words there. He said, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? What's the writer suggesting there? Don't seek your security. Don't seek your stability. Don't seek your help in your possessions or your bank account but let your confidence be in the Lord's unfailing promises and his unfailing presence. There is nothing more essential for, for Christians to hear. God repeating these words to us amidst our changing circumstances. I am your helper. I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. God's assurance comes to us as we face the changes these coming months will bring us and as we go through the various open doors that God will open for us personally. As business people, as married couples, as single people, as retirees, as young people facing the challenges of school and of university, 
as church leaders, as active members of Christ's body. Let's confront the open doors that are before us with confidence, with assurance, because as the Lord was with Joshua, so he is with us, not failing us, not abandoning us. When the Lord goes with his people, we have all the reasons in the world to be strong and courageous. There was a preacher named Philip Brooks in an earlier era who suggested, and you'll find the words on the screen, don't ask for tasks equal to your powers. Ask for powers equal to your tasks. And that is what Joshua is told to do. And that is what God is saying to each of us. And so as we begin this new era in the life of Kilsyth South, let's be encouraged by what God has said and done for his people in the past. The leader changed, the promises of God did not. The leader changed, but God's mission did not. The leader changed, but God's power and strength to accomplish the mission remained the same. Our circumstances are changing, but God isn't. And so as we move into the future, whatever it might hold, let's be encouraged by this assurance. As I was with Moses, as I was with Joshua, as I was with Tim Dyer, so I will be with you. And you, and you, I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. In a moment, we'll, I'm going to pray and then we'll sing our closing hymn. It's a prayer and an act of commitment. It's a prayer asking the Holy Spirit to stir up within each of us a renewed sense of our commitment to service as we enter the doors that God opens for us. And as we face the future, as we seek our next pastor, but it's also a hymn that is an act of commitment in which we say that we are ready to do that, ready to do God's perfect will. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you that you are the same today as you were in Joshua's day. We thank you that the assurances and the promises that you gave to him and to the people he was leading remain firm and sure. As we face up to the challenges and opportunities that we will meet in the days ahead, help us to rest in the assurance that you will not let us down, that you will not leave us on our own. And so it is with this confidence that we go forward in Jesus' name. Amen.